Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. I'm Caleb, and we are happy to be back with you for another week of all your latest Marvel news and reviews and uh, speculation. Uh, as usual, we have with us today Rhiannon and Adam. Um, Rhiannon, are you digging out from snow? I am. And by digging out, I mean sitting here watching other people dig me out. But... <laughs> I have a nice six inches of snow. Oh, that's good. We, um, I haven't seen the total yet, but we were, I was here in 12 to 18 earlier today. So we really got dumped on here in Rhode Island. Adam, it sounds like you're, uh, you're, you're still in the clear, huh, man? We are in the clear. Nothing, nothing at all. But I will say the temperature has been absolutely crazy. Yesterday, it was like, 39 today it was nine degrees and tomorrow it's supposed to break 50 so i don't know what's going on yeah we had a huge swing um i actually got some snow thunder and snow lightning today which was really cool uh you know it's not a normal thing but i feel like i saw more thunder and lightning today than i saw all last summer so that was kind of bizarre but wicked that's awesome all right, well, we'll probably jump into the news here. I am sure that a uh, a podcast of the nation's weather is not what our listeners are looking for. <laughs> but uh, we've got some breaking news that happened today. We just found out that um, Runaways has cast, we think, all of the parents for um, The Pride, which is, for those of you unfamiliar with the storyline, The Runaways is about a group of six kids whose parents are all supervillains. And um, kind of the tagline is everybody thinks their parents are evil, but for these kids, it's actually true. And um, we have the uh, I've got the cast here. As far as those cast, um, we've got the names here of 10 actors. James Marsters, Kevin Weissman, Kip Perdue, Ryan Sands, Annie Wershing, Angel Parker, uh, Brittany Ishibashi, James Yagashi, Bridget Branagh and Ever Carradine. Do you guys know any of those people? Uh, are you excited about the casting? Any first thoughts seeing this uh, information today? The only thing, and this is just a funny, like when I saw the name um, James Marsters on there, I read it as James Mardit, Marsden. <laughs> I actually had to like go look it up because I was like, oh, Cyclops is being cast as a runaway parent. Um, which I mean, yeah, like not MCU, but anyways, but, uh, the names are so close, but it is not him. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, the one that stuck out to me, well, didn't stick out to me until I started looking him up. Uh, Annie Wershing was, um, kind of the love interest and another agent on 24 for a while. Uh, she was Renee Walker. If you guys ever watched that show and she was actually my favorite love interest for Jack Bauer in the history of 24. So that's kind of cool to see her there. I think she'll do a good job. Uh, the really weird part of this, for those who've been paying attention, is that um, uh, Mrs. Minoru, or Tina Minoru, we thought was in Doctor Strange, and we thought uh, that we had an actress who was going to continue to play her in this show. Um, the woman who played her is a really bit part in Doctor Strange. And so we have kind of one of three scenarios Scenario one here is that they just recast her and it'll be like Rhodey or Bruce Banner where she'll show up as the same character with the same backstory and we're just supposed to ignore the fact that it's a different person playing her. 
The second option will be that they'll somehow retcon this to make it make sense. And the third option is that this show actually isn't part of the MCU, and we shouldn't be talking about it on our podcast. It's really... um, We've not heard for sure that the show is definitely part of the same continuity. Adam, uh, do you have an idea of what you think this is, and would it bother you if this wasn't kind of part of the same MCU world? I would guess that it's just a recasting, um, because the previous actress literally had the smallest role possible. Uh, and I highly doubt the casual fan or even, even decent fans of the MCU who didn't, uh, didn't read the prelude comics or, or follow along. Like, like we do would even notice that was Tina Minoru. Um, so yeah, I would guess it's the same recasting. Um, with a, with a property like Runaways, I'm not sure if they would split off uh, and, and kind of do their own thing. Uh, you know, they're kind of doing that thing with Legion now, but that's a mutant-based show. So I see what they're doing with Legion, but it, it would be something else um, if they didn't put this in the, NC, in the MCU. Uh, I'll still watch it, though. I mean, I watched Legion last night. I absolutely loved it. So it's certainly not going to uh, stop me from running, uh, watching it, especially with uh, some great source content such as Runaways. Yeah, I'm really hoping that it's just a recast as well. Uh, I mean, it's easy enough to do. It's not like people love, you know, the previous actress. They hardly saw her. Um, so I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think if it's not part of the MCU, the way they handled this character in Doctor Strange was weird. Like, they went out of their way in the prelude comic to Doctor Strange to make a point that this is that character. And they made a point in the advertising to show the staff of one. And they made a point, it was either Feige or Derrickson, to say, oh yeah, that's who this is. Like, that's a lot of weird stuff to do if you're not planning on setting up Runaways or if you're not trying to, like, purposefully... Uh, allude to that character in their past. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and that actress was put through a pretty rigorous audition. Um, we had an article about that, that she, you know, it wasn't like they looked at a headshot and brought her in. She went through a serious audition process for that little bit role in Dr. Strange. And we don't know how much was cut, how much, you know, maybe there was a, we're we're just now starting to get some deleted scenes from Doctor Strange that are going to be on the Blu-ray, but we don't know. Maybe they had more intentions for that character in Doctor Strange, but I think we all sort of interpreted that as you know they were taking her character very seriously because she was going to go on to do other stuff. Yeah, I mean the only thing that makes any sense to me, and this isn't inside knowledge; it's just total speculation, is that they had always planned on bringing her over. And then this Runaways thing feels like it's happened kind of quickly. Like at the beginning of the year, we were talking like, is this show dead? What happened to it? Why have we not heard any news? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, here's the working title. Here's when it's going to start filming. Boom, here's the cast. Like it's all fallen in place in about four or five weeks. And so I'm just wondering, maybe she was signed up for it. 
And then when this thing started moving real quickly, it was a scheduling thing and they had to drop her. I mean, that just makes the most sense to me of the data we have. See, my guess would be otherwise. My guess, I would almost think maybe even though they did a rigorous audition process, maybe they didn't like what she did on Doctor Strange. Perhaps they had Mm. other scenes and she just didn't perform. And so those scenes got cut and she got recasted. That's possible, too. We may never know, knowing how Marvel works. <laughs> I don't think Marvel's going to like tell us this information. But, um, but yeah, so this is that's the cast. And, again, the big thing that we're still kind of waiting for is to hear something about how all that worked. And um, it would be nice for Marvel just to come out and Jeff Loeb or whoever say, yes, this is part of the MCU. There's the possibility of crossover with other shows. And just let us, you know, know that and not have to think about it or worry about it again. So, all right. uh, Our next bit of news. Um, There was a lot of stuff coming out about Guardians of the Galaxy this week. A ton of set visits. Uh, For those that don't understand how this works, um, they usually invite a bunch of reporters from a bunch of different outlets to all come see the set at the same time. And then they embargo that, which means they don't let them talk about it until a certain day. And then they give them a date where they can talk about it, and all that stuff just floods to the internet. So in this case, uh, the set visit was back in April, I think, and the embargo was lifted on Monday morning. Uh, There's a lot of different news things we could talk about. I'm going to pick a couple. Um, I think the first thing is that we're starting to get a sense of the plot now. Uh, It appears that Aisha, who is this new villain, this woman that is made out of gold or is gold-colored, she's um, hired the Guardians to do something to steal these really valuable batteries, which to me seems odd. I just have this image of rockets stealing like triple A's or something. But anyways, there's these batteries that uh, they retrieve for Aisha and her race, and apparently Rocket decides to pocket a few of them. And the rest of the movie is her trying to get back at the Guardians for um, their lack of honor, I guess. Um, Does that sound cool? Are you guys excited about the plot? Is there anything else in what we've heard about what's going to happen that kind of piques your interest with this movie? I mean, I'm just really excited for it, you know, especially with the embargo lifted this week and all sorts of things flooding out. You know, we we, uh, heard or we saw that. Drax and Mantis are apparently going to be a little duo or or whatever you want to call it, you know, and all this stuff's just materializing, meaning uh, obviously we're getting closer to the premiere, you know, we got the extended Super Bowl um, trailer, which which, uh, it was cool. Uh, just because Guardians is probably my favorite franchise so far in the MCU, you know, but it uh, I don't want to call it underwhelming. You know, I just wasn't I, I set my expectations too high uh, when it came to that, you know, but yeah. uh, and we'll get to that. I really like with our main conversation, too. Yeah, I really uh, I just like the look and feel of it so far. You know, it, it it's already different from. Uh, the first movie. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of shinier, or metallic, more metallic. I don't know how to. I don't know how to explain it. It just. Feels it's got like more it's a, gold, shiny look. Yeah. Well, yeah. It has. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's gold everywhere. I just liked how the. 
they must be on top of something and they're fighting the space monster and the lighting's cool and and then uh yeah i just uh, i like the way it looks obviously baby Groot. we got some new looks at baby Groot. we found out why baby Groot's wearing uh a suit and all that stuff um yeah i'm excited i really do i mean you mentioned the aesthetics it seems like they're kind of um seems like they're hitting the retro thing in a in a lot of different ways like in the first movie it was largely like the soundtrack but now like we're hearing the ego spaceship will be kind of like a 70s almost disco lounge you know and mm-hmm. uh the gold paint all i could think of was goldfinger you know the classic james bond <laughs> movie like that immediately came to mind and so it's just cool to see all those little aesthetic touches you know in there uh, you had also mentioned, you know, Drax and Mantis being in some sort of a relationship, having some sort of special connection. Um, are you guys leery about that at all? I don't know if I want to see all the Guardians getting paired up. You know, like, I just, I don't think more romance is what Guardians needed. But I'm interested to, to hear what you guys thought about that that bit of news that popped out. I think the two of them together will be fun. Because the way, like, that character, or... The way that story came out is that, like, Mantis hasn't met any other humanoid-type characters, and then Drax ends up sort of being the one that explains humans to her in a way. So I think that sounds like it'll be hilarious, and if they try to... I'll give it a chance as far as if it becomes a romantic-type thing. Yeah, one of my big pet peeves with movies in general, not just Marvel, but any movies is there's just a lack of value on like platonic friendships. And so anytime that you can have like a show that is just about people getting along and being friends and that's it is awesome to me. You know, like this idea that you have to be jumping in bed with someone to have a connection with them just drives me crazy as like a Hollywood trope. But anyways, I guess we'll see. And I feel like the comments were pretty ambiguous. I don't think some people kind of ran that as like, Oh look, this is the new Guardians romance, but I don't I don't feel like those comments were necessarily that way. So I think we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm looking at the quote right now and it's like the relationship between her and Drax. And I mean like friendships are relationships. There's all sorts of relationships. It doesn't mean like quote unquote relationship. So right. I I hope it's fun, whatever it is. Yeah. All right, the other bit of news that we wanted to talk about, um, we're going to get to the trailers. If you're wondering, how are we not talking about the trailers? That's going to be our main conversation that's coming up in a little bit. Um, But uh, we also found out this week that Benicio Del Toro is back for um, Infinity War uh, in his role as the Collector. Um, I believe this will be the first time we've seen him in a long time. There were some rumors back in the summer of last year that he had shown up to do some Guardians 2 stuff, but then James Gunn said he definitely wasn't. And I think that was actually him um, recording some stuff for the Disneyland ride in California. So I I think it's probably going to be the first time we've seen him um, since he was moping around at the end of the first Guardians movie. Um, Do you guys like seeing Del Toro back? And... um, it seems obvious. Do you think that um, Thanos is coming for a uh, 
for one of those infinity stones from him? Yeah, he still has the either, doesn't he? So Thanos, I mean, Thanos has to go get it from him, whether it's killing him or the collector seems like he's, uh, I don't know, a uh, uh, shady enough guy to get something else from Thanos. But I mean, it's it's Thanos. It's not like Thanos is in the mood to barter barter with anyone necessarily, you know, but it, yeah, it makes sense. There's not going to be any Exp- collector. I've come here to make a bargain kind of lines, right? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it has to happen. So it makes sense. Um for Thanos to go there and get the either. Um, now we also heard this week from Feige that infinity war, um, that Thanos is the main character effectively of infinity war. This has excited some people that finally they're going to kind of give a film to a villain, so to speak. We still don't know what Avengers four is supposed to be. Um, do you guys have any inkling? Like, do you think that infinity war like, are we going to get a montage at the beginning of Thanos collecting the stones and then, boom, we're right into it? Or do you think it's going to take, like, a whole film before he really gets a hold of everything um, that he wants to make the gauntlet? I think, I think we're going to see him. Oh, sorry. No, go I ahead. Think we're gonna, I think we're going to see him collecting the stones. I mean, we've got, I mean, it's going to be two movies. They might be calling them something else, but there's two movies happening. So I wouldn't be surprised if the first one he's collecting the stones and then it moves into the second movie where he has them. No, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's I, I agree. You know, it's kind of, uh, essentially it'd be like Harry Potter, the seventh movie, how they split it into two books. I mean, the first movie was, uh, nearly spent collecting all the stuff in the second movies, you know, moving on from there. So, uh, we don't know what the, the name of Avengers four is or anything, but with uh Feige saying that infinity war is going to be Thanos centered, centered around Thanos. Uh, you know, I could see the, the entirety of, of the movie, um, him causing destruction, Amongst the galaxy while he gets his Infinity Stones. Yeah, I don't think they'll actually do this, but I think it would be amazing and, like, bold and crazy if the movie, like, kind of makes it to where Thanos is almost the protagonist. Like, instead of us seeing the film through the eyes of the hero, it actually is, like, a travel movie for Thanos. And, like, the heroes come in and out of the movie as, you know, whether it's Vision and his stone or it's Thor showing up um, in another context or it's um, the Guardian showing up at the Collector's Center, you know, like, it would be really cool to me if the movie was basically through Thanos' eyes and, like, it was a whole film of setup and he has flashbacks to who he was when he was younger and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a pipe dream. I don't think that's the way they'll do it, but I think that would be the most exciting and interesting thing they could do to make just an Avengers movie that would be totally different than what anybody's expecting. So essentially, you're thinking like a a Scott Pilgrim, but only with Thanos. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think it's a long great. shot, but I don't know. It'd be cool. Okay, so here's what I want to do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. 
Honestly, listeners, if you hear us week in, week out, you may notice that um, the three of us get a little bit of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fatigue. So we're going to do something a little bit farcical today. Uh, Rhiannon, I am going to appoint you as the judge and jury for a little court case here today. And Adam and I are going to argue the opposite sides. And Adam is going to argue for why this week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode was a bad episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm going to argue for why it was a good episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Does that sound like a fun way to get through our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recap this week? Sounds good. All right. Adam, you want to go first or I'm going, am I going first? Uh, I mean, I just, I don't know why. I, I mean, I know why I didn't like it. It just seemed like they were trying to smash too much stuff in it again. I don't, I, I loved while we're, we're speaking aesthetics. I love the whole, uh, Spain sequence with, with Mac and Colson and, uh, I forgot her name who Ada's based on. Um, you know, I loved the way that stuff looked. Um, I suppose I didn't mind the fact that the wannabe nitro killed Senator Nadir. I mean, that was pretty legit. I don't know. It just, it just felt like it was almost uh, without, I guess, um, what am I trying to say? I mean, if you t- if you took Senator Nadir dying out of that episode, I, I don't think the plot advanced whatsoever, you know? I mean, obviously now that Senator Nadir is assumed dead, um, that's a pretty big deal, especially with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and st- things like that. But, you know, until this episode, they really didn't know that Ada was based on a human that that Holden really, really, I mean, was in love with, obviously, or or the they let alone they didn't know she was, you know, dying of a terminal illness. Uh, So I just don't think uh, it really advanced the episode. You know, the deer was killed almost right off the bat and then everything was pretty I don't know, plateaued throughout. Yeah, I think what I liked about it, what I think made it a good episode, was um, there was the everything I felt like. It's weird because I know what you're saying about it being several different plot lines, but I do feel like they were moving in largely the same direction. Like for a while, the villains have been kind of doing their own thing, and there's sort of these villain subplots. And then there's like an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. subplot. And then there's melodrama within the center. And I just feel like all of this stuff this time is just bringing us closer and closer to Coulson and um, the Russian guy getting into an ultimate conflict. And I think the thing, though, that was best about the episode is I feel like this episode ratcheted down for us like really strong senses of motivation for these characters. Why are these characters doing what they're doing? And so I loved hearing Coulson say, I'm about this because I want to save May because she's the most important person to me in my life. Like, it's great to hear him crystallize that. And then um, I've complained on this podcast several times that Radcliffe has no motivation Like, for 12 episodes, every time I asked myself the question, why is Radcliffe doing this? The answer was either because he's a mad genius or 
because he read the dark hold and it made him a crazy mad genius. You know, like I never understood why he was doing anything. And for me, the whole storyline with, um, and I don't remember her name either. Ada prime is like, <laughs> it just brought it all together of like, Oh, he has this woman that he loves and he wants to find a way to let her live forever. And all the transhumanism stuff, all of the LMD stuff, all of the messing around with things that people know better than to mess around with are the desperate attempts of a man who's in love to save the woman he's in love with. And to me, that makes Radcliffe fall into place and it makes the whole storyline parallels in a fascinating way because Coulson is making these decisions of am I or am I not going to go to certain places while Radcliffe is proving that he would go to those places. And it asks these interesting questions like, is Radcliffe right to just do the things that Coulson won't do? Like, is it possible that Coulson's um, moral compass is actually making him, um, you know, a worse, uh, a worse companion to May than Radcliffe is to Ada Prime. And so I just thought all that stuff was really good. And the Nitro and Nadir stuff to me was just about cleaning up that storyline and giving um, the superior like a clear, obvious direction. And so I just feel like everybody's in a lane now and I know where they're going instead of feeling like the writers are circling the airplane around the uh, airport five times to try to figure out how they want to land it. And so I just love that everything had direction to it, you know? Yeah, but, you know, now that, I mean, obviously we didn't see Nadir's body or anything, but she she didn't go under Terragenesis when uh, the Nitro dude smashed the crystal, you know? So she, she might not be dead. She's probably dead. But, I mean, now uh, her brother's at the bottom of the ocean, Obviously, he's going to resurface sometime. Is he going to find out she's dead and he's going to be hell-bent on revert, revenge and and that's something else? You know, it's just like they, they're trying to keep on make Radcliffe seem like this good dude. You know, he wants to make the Matrix so his wife, fiance, lover can live on forever. But, I mean... If we were in his position, I mean, is that what you would want to do as well? You know, I mean, if you're dealing with a loved one, would you want to? It's it's just it's about the moral of it. You know, would you want your loved one to be living on in a matrix of sorts? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. It's like death's a natural part of life. You know, it's. It's about going through death and, and getting over the grieving process and so on and so forth. And another thing that's that's really starting to, I don't want to say upset me, it's just getting tiresome is they always, each episode they find a, a new way to make May calm, I guess. And May always finds out the Matrix. You know, we saw it in the tail end of this episode again where earlier – Ada even mentioned something in the episode how she wasn't going to solve it or she was resting peacefully or whatever. And then right in the closing seconds, we see May gasp as she had before. You know, they, they're just trying to make rat each time they make Radcliffe 
seem like the good guy or he's he's having good intentions he always turns out to be a bad guy you know so i mean how many chances do you want to give the guy before you just realize he's a he's a nutcase yeah but i don't think they're making radcliffe out to be a good guy i think in some ways seeing radcliffe and colson as two sides of a coin of what would you do if the person you loved was in trouble is actually showing Radcliffe to be the bad guy that he is. It's just, um, it's doing so in a subtle way, you know, like not a way that hits you over the head. Um, all right, Rhiannon, let's get your take. You've heard both sides of this. Where are you coming down here as far as whether or not this is a good episode of agents of shield? I'm coming down on it being a good episode. I mean, Obviously, they didn't hit it out of the park, but they also they, it moved along. I mean, I feel like what we've hit with Agents of Shield are episodes that either feel like okay, it moved along, but this episode felt like it served no other purpose other than getting us from where we were last week to where we need to be next week. And there were definite plot points in this that, like you pointed out, with with the original Ada. Um, that had real purpose being in a storyline. Um, and it, it, it was an enjoyable watch. Like it wasn't the most enthralling hour of TV. It wasn't the best hour of TV, but it wasn't bad. It was enjoyable. I mean, they, it had surprises. It had a self-contained plot that wrapped up, but it moved on along in the season. So I'm going to side on it being a good episode, which Yay. might be more my opinion than the arguments that you two made. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> I'm a pretty crappy judge. Well, <laughs> honestly, we need more like quantitative rating system. If I, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just trying to make these reviews interesting guys. Yeah. Um, I think the other couple things that came out of this for me, um, I was impressed with the actress who plays Ada. Um, I think yes! she had two different characters, right? Like her Ada and her Ada Prime are different people. And I think that's really cool and it showed a range I wasn't expecting from her. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. It's the same as that I was talking about with May and fake May. Like they are, they, whatever they are doing to get into LMD mode versus original mode. I, I had times where I doubted that that was the same actress with Ada original because she just was so very different. Um, the other thing I was wondering about, do you guys feel like we're now, like last week we said we didn't really know where the third pod was going to go. Do you have a sense now? Do you feel like this Matrix thing is where we're headed as far as um, the rest of the season? I almost kind of hope not, you know, especially now that Legion's starting up, you know, it's kind of the same thing where you're just debating with yourself on what's real and what's not. You know, we still have um, director Mace in the picture and we we saw him this past week get kind of agitated uh, when Simmons informed him that his secret juice could kill him whatever you want to call it, the secret serum or that stuff Bugs Bunny drinks in Space Jam. You know, it's, <laughs> it could end up killing him. So maybe he'll turn rogue and do that. I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know, guys. I hope it's not the Matrix thing. I don't, it just seems kind of, the, the first pod, I mean, the first 
two pods were completely separate, you know, especially with Ghost Rider and, and this LMD thing. I guess I'm just kind of looking for trying to get past this LMD thing and not stay in it. As you can tell, I haven't been the biggest fan of this pod. Yeah. Well, I think what we've I think what we've learned is that no matter what the pod is, I mean, they're going to have like three, four subplots going on at a time. There's going to be whatever's going on with me, even if the pod isn't the focus of whatever's going on with Mace. They're obviously setting up something to be going on with Mace for the rest of the season. I personally hope he survives, but the signs are pointing towards him ODing on the the super juice. Uh, you know, there's going to be whatever Mac and Yo-Yo are up to. There's going to be you know, Coulson getting over LMD May, seducing him and him trying to work out his feelings on that. There's going to be plenty of other stuff. So whatever they make the pod, as long as it doesn't suck, will be a minor detail. Yeah, I think the one thing I would like to see, the thing that would re- uh, redeem the Matrix for me, is um, I think it would be really cool if they thought that this was like a computer program and it was a digital thing and it was totally technology and the S.H.I.E.L.D. team like goes into this digital world to retrieve May and they have to deal with the fact that they're in a world that Ada's created. And then at some point, something happens to kind of pull the plug, and they think the whole thing's just going to shut down because it's just a big computer. And they discover that Ada hasn't actually made a matrix as much as she's created an entire alternate dimension. And at this point, like a wormhole opens up, Ghost Rider jumps out, and all of a sudden we're like tripping through dimensions, kind of Doctor Strange style. That would be kind of cool to me. That would go somewhere new. And I think it would be a good um, flipping of expectations since we are all looking at this like it's like the Matrix rehashed. So I think that would be cool. But um, who knows? All right, let's um, let's move on to our main conversation that I think we're all just ready to get into. We got two um, new trailers this week. One came during the Super Bowl, and one came on Tuesday morning. Um, so we got a new trailer for Iron Fist, and it's really the first proper trailer that we've gotten for Iron Fist. We've kind of got some imagery and some hints before, but this was like a full two minutes that told us about plot showed us a lot of the characters, all that kind of stuff. And then the Guardians trailer was... uh, It's kind of becoming its own category as it's a Super Bowl trailer. So um, I think I want to hit Iron Fist first, because we haven't talked about him yet. Um, First thing out of the gate, you know, we've talked a lot about with this show, about how they're going to combine the mystical elements and the kind of otherworldly comic booky stuff with the down-to-earth feel of the Netflix universe. Um, seeing the visual effects, seeing the Iron Fist in play, are you guys excited? Do you feel like that balance and that tone is is looking right so far? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. 110%. I'm so excited. Holy cow. Nothing at all fell out of place with his fist lighting up and glowing. It... it- yeah. 
I am as certain with my answer as Adam just was. Yeah, I think it helps that some of the settings look pretty similar, too. Like, there's that money shot at the end where he, like, punches the floor and the whole room, like, shakes. Yes. And besides being awesome, like, it also reminded me a little bit of, like, um, the ninja fight scene in Elektra's apartment that we saw in the promotionals for Daredevil Season 2. Where they're like in the apartment, the electricity goes out and they're trying to fight, you know, like there's just all these riffs that sounds that feel similar to other shows we've already had. You know, I hadn't compared it to that feeling of that trailer for Daredevil with the fight in Electro's apartment. That's a great point. I feel like this whole show is going to take place in Electra's apartment. Yeah, and she's an interesting bridge character because in a lot of ways she's like Danny Rand, where she's from a family of affluence. She has kind of this secret martial arts background. And so, you know, I think it's interesting. In some ways, the Iron Fist people had her character to try to test run, I think, some of these things. Um, okay, so we saw a couple of different characters in this trailer which we've not seen before, not seen yet. Um, Any character just really jump out at you as, wow, that's awesome. I want to see more of them. All that kind of stuff. There are a lot of characters that I want to know more about. Definitely. Um, You know, this is the first time that really, well, I mean, this is the first time that anybody that wasn't at New York Comic Con got to see like Harold Meacham, Joy, um, Got to see all of them in a little bit of action. Of course, there's the mystery guy at the end that we ran a speculation article on. The the somewhat spoilery um, speculation article about who the guy at the end telling him that he needed to be or, or what he could be. Um, there's a lot of unknown characters in this trailer. And I'm wondering how many of them they're going to tell us, you know, as we lead up to the show, they're going to reveal who these characters actually are and how many of them they're going to leave to be a surprise. Cause I've been thinking about it with Diamondback and Luke Cage. They never told us, they never officially told us we were getting Diamondback. There were photos that leaked, but they never officially said that that actor was going to be in the show. Never said that that character was going to be in the show. But they also didn't put him in the trailers. They've given us characters in the trailers here and not told us who they are. So I'm curious about them. Yeah, Adam, was there a character that you were kind of piqued your interest? I am fairly certain they are pulling some stuff from the Immortal Iron Fist run. Um, I, Madam Gao has to be the uh, crane mother. I mean, she's got to be at this point, you know, it's just all signs. And we saw her get into a daredevil and for, for being an old lady and putting down with, you know, daredevil, holy cow. But, um, yeah, I mean, Rhiannon kind of touched on the spoilery type thing before, you know, I just, I want to see more of immortal weapons, the immortal weapons in there. I'm not sure if you guys have, Red Immortal Iron Fist, but there's there's total of seven immortal weapons, um, you know, and there's some screenshots out there of um, the Bride of Nine Spiders. 
ex- looks exactly like the character from the comics. So, I mean, if they put the Bride of Nine Spiders in there, I would guess they're going to do some of the Tournament of Heaven stuff. Uh, maybe not that exactly, but at least introducing some of the immortal weapons. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I don't want to say the spoilery thing Rhiannon was talking about earlier because I don't want to do spoilers, but it's, yeah, I think we're getting the crane mother. We're getting the bride of nine spiders and yeah, I mean, they absolutely, I mean, I don't think anyone had any inkling that diamondback was coming. Then everyone's binge watching Luke Cage and, Oh, holy crap. It's Diamondback, you know? So they're showing us people in the trailers and not telling us. Um, but obviously, uh, on top of that, they could introduce yet even more people that we have no idea are even coming. Now, and just uh, to touch on that, I just want to touch. If anybody, if, if you want to know the spoilery thing that we're talking around, there is an article on the MCU Exchange about it. Um, and in that article, we mentioned like somebody on set heard them say this character's name associated with this actor. And and here I'm comfortable saying like I wasn't comfortable with it being too much in the article, but that was me. I was on set. I saw this particular actor and somebody said, oh, yeah, that's this person. And at the time, I kind of thought that had already come out because we had found some serious hence that this character was going to be in there. I didn't realize that we didn't know the actor. So I didn't think too much of it at the time. And then afterwards, like when I realized everybody didn't know, I was like, Oh wow. I didn't take a picture. I didn't like try to look at this guy and figure out who he was. So to it be is fair, a little bit more. Subtle. There's been hints of this since daredevil season one, right? If this yeah. is the thing I'm thinking about. So yeah. it's, it's not like they've not given us anything to set up the expectation. Right. Um, there was also a scene where Iron Fist is fighting back to back with someone. Do we think this is um, that spoilery thing we're not talking about? Or is it possible that we actually saw um, Shang-Chi? I mean, we've heard rumors that he was coming. It's not possible that they put that in the trailer, right? I think it's possible they put it in the trailer. There's a lot of stuff in this trailer. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's almost like because it's a lesser known property and, you know, like if you're doing Iron Man and all of a sudden in the trailer, like a red, white and blue shield goes flying through the trailer, everyone goes, oh, my gosh, it's Captain America. But like if it's Iron Fist, nobody knows this comic. And so I feel like they just threw stuff in like, yeah, they won't figure it out because nobody knows what this is. Is that crazy or does it kind of feel that way to you guys too? Yeah, no, no, I agree with you that like that there's, there's nothing real obvious. They threw, I mean, they threw, they gave us the Iron Fist costume in this trailer. They gave us him in a yellow robe with green trim with, with, I mean, it had pants. It wasn't like a bathrobe thing. Like they gave us so much stuff like that. There is one brief moment where you see him in another costume where he's uh, got something halfway covering his face, kind of like Electra's costume in Daredevil season two, except for like more rugged and masculine. Um, they gave us a lot of little stuff to dig into. 
So maybe, yeah, maybe they were just willing to give us everything. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything else? I will probably wrap this part of the conversation up here in a minute. Is there anything else from this trailer that sticks out? Anything else you wanted to kind of mention or talk about? I'm still excited. I am just so solidly excited. I watched it again today just to make sure I was still really excited about it. And it's good. Yeah, we should probably mention um, there's also been a video clip of Colleen Wing um, oh, yeah. fighting. And to me, that was really smart to put that out after this trailer. Because if there was any doubts about kind of the tone and how it felt and looked compared to the other Netflix shows, the uh, cage match scene that she is in that they released is just brutal and it's violent and it feels very much like Daredevil. I mean, you see the exhaustion of the fighters and how quickly that sets in. Um, I love that even though she clearly is going to win, like you don't see her as like a master that's like destroying them. Like you can see that a, a woman of her size against two giant men is a hard fight, but it's just um, the grit to it just totally counterbalanced any of the more fantastic elements of the trailer to just remind you like, okay, this is all in kind of one universe, you know? So I thought that was really cool. And I guess that's one of the scenes that they saw. Uh, did you see that Rhiannon at New York? Yes. Yes. That's one that they showed at New York Comic Con. There was somebody, I saw somebody today and I haven't had a chance to go by and look at it. There's rumors that one of the guys she's fighting or the guy she's fighting is one of the guys in the hospital scene with Foggy and Claire in Daredevil season two, the thugs that like start the little emergency room fight. Oh, it looks a lot like cool. one of those guys. So that's it might awesome. just be that they, you know, like limited stunt groups, but it might be a little tie-in. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I feel like Madam Gao is becoming my favorite character in like the entire Netflix corner of the universe. Like I just the fact that like she has scenes with the Kingpin and it seems like Kingpin is legitimately afraid of her or respects her is just cool to me. You know, this like little old lady is like freaking out Wilson Fisk. And I'm just hoping that she just takes over at some point in this show and is just proves just what an incredibly powerful character she is. And I just think that would be so fun. So I'm excited to see how prominent she is and that they're going to finally start paying off that character that they've been building really slowly over a couple of seasons of Daredevil. I'm also excited over the proper pronunciation of Kunlun. Yeah, I'm wrong, though. It, it makes me sad. How did you used to pronounce that, Adam? I don't know. I always want to, every time I read that, so you're reading Immortal Iron Fist, and every single place has the apostrophe. It's like the T'Challa type thing. You know, you almost want to pronounce the apostrophe. I thought, um, I, I pronounce it both ways. I pronounced it Kunlun and Kunlun. I believe I don't know. It's one of those things that you pronounce in your head, but you don't. Um, but now it's a definitive. It's a definitive answer. Maybe I was just uh, rewatched Star Wars with our our daughter, 
And um, Princess Leia can't decide if it's Han or Han Solo for literally two movies. You know, like there's no appropriate uh, pronunciation of that name. Half the time Carrie Fisher called him Han and half the time she called him Han. Drives me crazy. (laughs) True. Who knows? All right. um, Let's talk about Guardians. And um, I'm going to, I feel like we have a new like genre of trailer from Marvel that is the Super Bowl trailer. Um, they did this last year with Civil War. I feel like they did it this year with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I know that at the Super Bowl party that we host every... Excuse me. I know that at the Super Bowl party that we host every year, people are having fun and talking and eating their snacks and watching the game and cheering. So nobody is paying attention to the audio at all. Like, except for the halftime show, we kind of have it just in the background. And so I feel like Marvel has responded to that by giving us Super Bowl trailers that have a ton of visuals and really, like, gives us eye candy, but has no material in it whatsoever. Is that how this trailer felt for you guys? Like, was there any disappointment that you're not getting more information about what's going on? Yeah, this one to me felt a lot like introducing. I mean, so so there were two different things. There was the one that aired on TV, and then there was the extended trailer that debuted online. And the one on TV was just like, "Hey, here's some characters. Look at them. Okay, go online to find the trailer." I, I didn't feel that it was a very informative trailer, though. I know we saw a lot of new things. Adam, is it? Um, do you like the approach that James Gunn has taken so far in this stuff? Like he's been very close to the vest with information. Do you feel like it's good for us to be getting less in- info before a movie comes out, or are you kind of like? Starting to feel like, come on, James, give me something. Let me know what's, you know, what's coming. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I want to know the, the I want to see the the whole damn movie, you know. But I mean, take a look at Doctor Strange, you know, they kept pushing out stuff and pushing out stuff and pushing out stuff. And it wasn't until the movie that, that we knew Dormammu was in it. You know, that, that was a pretty tight lipped thing. I mean, there wasn't any visuals of him in the trailer um so i i see what they're doing you know i mean and then they after the super bowl they aired uh an additional one it was mainly the um extended one but there was some there are two new clips in it i think there was a new baby Groot clip with him uh sliding down a tunnel with the bomb detonator thing and then there was one of mantis yelling um, but yeah, obviously that's a half a second of each of each thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, don't, don't show everything in the movie or in the trailers. You know, I was surprised. I figured they would have, uh, part of me wants to say they would have showed ego, um, at least Kurt Russell by now. Um, you know, but uh, I could see uh, them saving the actual planet ego as a, as a big movie reveal, you know, which by the way, I, that had to be ego at the end where uh, Mantis gets hit by the fireball type thing. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. It just, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's that kind of uh, he's the kind of character in the comics where he's good and he's bad and 
You know, he's all over the place. I think pretty sure he can control his atmosphere and and do oh, weird things. Okay, I know in sense. the and the last uh, Nova thing, Nova comic, um, Sam Alexander was actually on. He, he had got like bugs or something, and that's the equivalency of planet lice or something. So Sam Alexander was removing it from him. That was just a goofy little thing. But yeah, I think he could control his atmosphere and such. And he's a purple based guy. And there was a bunch of purple stuff towards that scene. But yeah, I don't, uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket and make your big reveals during the trailers, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I'm really, I think I talk out of both sides of my mouth. I've been very frustrated with how much Marvel gives us lately. Uh, Winter Soldier was the one that really changed my mind. I watched a lot of the clips for Winter Soldier that they put online. And then when the movie was over, I was like, oh, man, I feel like only about a half hour of this thing was like new. You know, like I've already seen Mm -hmm. so much of it. And so I've been kind of on that bandwagon for a long time. But now that I'm working on the website, it's like come on, man, like, give us something. Like, it's kind of hard. I don't think we even did a trailer breakdown of this one on MCU Exchange because it was like, what is there to break down? Oh, this is what Aisha looks like. And, oh, this was kind of funny. You know, like, there just wasn't that much there to talk about, I feel like, so. Yeah, they they were really selective on, I mean, there's a decent amount of new footage there, but it was just footage that, I mean, I don't want to say you can't talk about, but it's not, I mean, revealing Aisha was really the only big thing, you know, otherwise it's just the guardians, you know, we got more looks at Mantis, but you know, what's the deal? You know, we saw her in the first one and, and yeah, I mean, there were new shots, but it was the same old, same old of them walking around in slow motion to some oldies music, you know, so we're getting some new footage here and there. I mean, and we'll probably end up getting more you know, as we, as we progress to, uh, once it come out May, right? Yeah. May 5th. Well, now that we've Jeez. said that there's nothing to talk about, let's try to find some things to talk about. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> Rhiannon was, um, I'll ask you first, but like, I'll get both of you guys. Was there a, a moment or a, a shot that was particularly interesting to you, like your favorite bit of this this trailer? I For me, there was nothing in this trailer that stood out. Much. Well, okay, I mean, like Baby Groot's vulgarity. That, you know, Rocket's... <laughs> right. Uh, there's Rocket and Baby Groot, and that is all that is ever going to stand out to me. Like, afterwards, everybody was like, oh, we saw Aisha. And I was like, what? I, I just saw Rocket and Baby Groot. I had to go rewatch a couple of times before I could see the other details. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that's I mean that's the thing though. I mean the humor there, like th- this gag of "I am Groot" meaning so many different things is a gift that just keeps on giving, right? And I love it. I mean, I love it in any scenario. Yeah, it's it's not a new thing. It's it's plenty of other. I mean, from like growing up and watching Wayne's World movies where they do the dubbing and make it so that somebody says two quick seconds and there's three lines of text underneath to, um, if anybody's been watching Lemony Snickets, they, they subtitle what the baby is saying. Like she's just making little baby noises and they're like, she explaining what she says. Yeah. It, it's a fun little trope and I like it. And Groot is adorable and rocket 
is just the perfect mouthpiece. So. Yeah. Adam, do you have a favorite shot from this trailer? Uh, no, not a favorite shot, really. I mean, obviously, Groot is my favorite superhero ever. You know, it's anything with Baby Groot. It's awesome. The The interesting thing is to piggyback off the I Am Groot thing, you know, the, I, I think the... um it's even he says three words and yet he's probably the most easily connectable you know everyone just relates <laughs> to him because he's this i mean in the first one he's this big brute but i don't think he wants to be the brute you know he's the enforcer but then again they're on nowhere and he grows the flower out of his hand for the little girl and gives that away you know um they did dive into it i think and uh, Loveness's Jeff Loveness had a solo run with Groot, and they kind of dived into it a little bit on his native planet X, where they actually had conversations. Obviously, it's the equivalency of listening to Spanish or Portuguese or, or whatever. You know, it's simply a different language, and they're actually a pretty intellectual race species. Um, but yeah, that probably won't ever get touched on in the movies. So just give us all the baby Groot ever. Um, everyone's up in arms. I, I always read comment sections everywhere, and it doesn't seem like anyone can agree on if they want Groot big by the end of the movie or if they want him to remain baby personally. Just keep him a baby throughout the whole thing. I did see on eBay that all of the latest Groot run, everyone's calling it the first appearance of Baby Groot, and they're jacking up the prices. Luckily, I bought like five of them at face value. So, <laughs> first appearance of Baby Groot, everyone. It's like Groot number five or six, I think, and it just came out a year ago. But that's eBay for you. I think the uh, the one thing that I saw, and it's it's really small. Well, two things that I saw. Uh, one, it just looks to me like Nebula is actually going to be a character this time. You know, like, I, I don't want to pick on James Gunn because there's a lot going on in the last movie. But Nebula, um, I don't feel like there was any scene in Guardians where Nebula was the most important character in the scene. Like, she had scenes where Thanos or Ronan were more important or scenes where Gamora was more important. But, like, she never owned a scene. And so I think it's kind of cool to see her kind of coming into her own right and getting kind of more attention, it seems like, um, from the trailer. Uh, the other thing I really thought was interesting was there's this scene where Gamora has this, like, gigantic, like, cartoonish gun on her shoulder. You know what I'm talking about? Had, like, three, like, big holes in it. We're, like, shooting, like, missiles out of it. And yeah. it was really interesting to me because, like, I always start to think about this stuff on a macro level. And I think we've talked a little bit on this podcast, like we had the era of the Brian Singer black leather X-Men and the, you know, um, Nolan verse Batman, where like you had to make superheroes as not superhero-y as possible or as like realistic as possible for people to want to see it. And that shot to me was like James Gunn just given a big middle finger to like practicality or like real worldness, you know, like it's so cartoonish. It's so like almost Looney Tune level bizarre, you know, to have a gun that big. And it's just like him saying, 
this is bizarre and it's goofy and it's weird and it's heavily stylized and we don't care. We think that's awesome and cool. And I just, I just love that. Like that we're in this place now where like the comic books can be adapted in the way that the people that love them want to adapt them. And we're not like putting the guardians into like fantastic four style you know, NASA suits or something to make it feel like we would really be in space. You know, like they're just giving us bizarreness. They're giving us a talking raccoon. They're giving us guns four times the size of the person that's wielding them. And that's okay. And it's cool. And I just, I just love that. Just like the total loss of care about what's going to be popular or not. And just doing the property the way they want to do it. I don't know. I mean, that may be a lot to think about from one little shot, but it's just cool to me that we're in that place as a society, you know? All right. Um, I think that does it for uh, our main conversation and most of the things we wanted to talk about. Looks like we're at about time anyway. Um, Let me go ahead and hit our um, interactions real quick. A little less uh, stuff with social media and everything today. Um, We did get some comments on the website. Um, particularly uh, along that conversation of what the next pod of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be. Our friend Love Waffle was talking about um, maybe connecting what happens in the Ghost Rider comics with um, Dr. Jekyll and this idea that maybe Daisy's dad could come back. Um, And there's a Russian thug named Ivanov in that storyline, and we've got this Russian guy here. So he was wondering if maybe that's where we're going Um, that could be interesting. Um, so that was kind of cool to get his feedback on that. Um, also on our SoundCloud, um, we got, uh, a comment from, uh, Octavio Fernandez. And, uh, I think it was cause we were doing the country shout outs. He wanted to uh, mention his home country of Argentina and the fact that it was a place that Magneto once went to kill some Nazis. So uh, thanks for listening, Octavio, and thanks for the comment. Um, I was looking um, through our places uh, that listen to us again, and so we'll do another random country shout-out. This time, uh, Barbados. With all the snow outside, Barbados sounds like a really fun place to be, and apparently we have a listener who is from Barbados, so hello, thanks for listening. I thought it was pronounced Barbados. Is it Barbados? That probably is right. Barbados. And they have green monkeys. They have green monkeys? Uh, There's my my grandmother used to have this little thing like hanging in our kitchen that said Barbados green monkeys. So Okay. Well, if you are a listener from Barbados, (laughs) you can tell us A, how to pronounce the name of your nation. And also you can tell us if you have any green monkeys. And if that's <laughs> yes. if that's terribly stereotypical, I'm sorry. We didn't know we're dumb Americans. Green monkeys yeah. just makes me think. Isn't there? A, I don't know. It sounds like something out of Dora the Explorer. But anyways, um, thank you to all you guys who are listening. Uh, as always, please uh, listen to the podcast, download it, subscribe to it, um, leave a um, leave us feedback via social media hashtag MCUXPod or via SoundCloud, or via the website. Uh, it'd be great if you gave us a review on iTunes. We hear that those things help. Um, so all that stuff just helps build the show. And we build the show mostly because 
Uh, we just want, you know, we want to have something that's successful and something that people like listening to. And so the more that we know people are listening and uh, the more the show builds, um, the longer we'll be able to keep it running and, and keep doing it. So, um, all right. Uh, is there anything else, guys? Any other questions? Thoughts? I'm getting links right now about green monkeys. Green monkeys are a thing. Rhiannon is sending it. Okay, that is awesome. So, um, it's actual green monkeys. The picture doesn't look green. He doesn't look green green at all. (laughs) So, anyways, if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to interact with us. Um, Give us your thoughts. You know, on these trailers, what did you like? What did you not like? Any of the questions that we talk about on here, we'd love for you to give us your take on it. Uh, until next time, go ahead and tell uh, the people where you can, where they can interact with you on social media and stuff, and then we'll be done. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter as Shot of Patron. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. At Caleb uh, A. Borchers, I think. And um, obviously interact with the website as well. Uh, So thanks for listening, guys. We're uh, excited to do it, and we'll be back to talk about more MCU stuff next week. Have a good weekend. Bye.